Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is Ryan Cabrera, your co-host here in studio with Pastor Nick Plummer. Uh, it is the week of unleavened bread. We just had Passover on Friday night. Uh, hopefully, everybody had great seders uh, with whatever group you were with, with uh, your families, with your friends. Uh, I especially had a good one. My father and my mother came over for Passover uh, at the house. We had a good Passover. Uh, did you have a good Passover, Pastor Nick? Absolutely. That's good. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. So today, we're going to be jumping right into the tour portion. Uh, we had a good celebration last night as well. Uh, we actually did a game show. I got to to be the, the game show host. Had a lot of fun with that. Uh, you guys should go back and check out the live stream online. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. There's some, some trivia questions on there. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. Maybe you should watch it and see if you know the answer. Um, but uh, all right, so the Torah portion this week is Shimini, 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 Shim, Shimini, Shim, Shim, Sheru. Eighth. Okay, okay. Well, we'll keep moving on. All right, so it's eighth, uh, and it is found in the book of Leviticus, chapter 9, verse 1 to chapter 11, verse 47. Some cool stuff in here uh, in the book of Leviticus 9 through 11. Absolutely. And so the theme of Leviticus is you shall be holy. Just a reminder for all of you that are listening. And for those of you that are new to listening to this particular podcast, uh, both Ryan and myself, we really want to promote the Torah and the Torah portions uh, because it's actually a cyclical uh, uh, reading that takes place, in, in, of course, in the fall. At the end of the feasts, uh, you begin to start a brand new Torah cycle. So we are in the book of Leviticus right now. And all over the world, this particular portion will be read in every synagogue in the world. Uh, I myself was brought up Catholic, and so if you listen to the readings or the homily, usually, uh, for the most part, uh, you can go to any Mass in the world and literally be on the same page. It makes us wonder, where do they get this from? So we're just trying to make an awareness of the Torah portions to not only uh, those Jews that maybe they're not practicing their faith anymore or in Judaism, but also to the Christian church, to the church in whole, that the Torah portions are the the greatest thing going on right now, uh, especially when we can find Yeshua uh, in the Old Testament, actually within the writing of Moses. Uh, Yeshua even makes mention of that. Hey, Moses wrote about me. So in this book of Leviticus, it's an incredible book. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. Out of all 66 books, this is my favorite one. Just want to share that and reiterate that with Ryan sitting here. (laughs) Now, chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. So once again, we're still making our way to God in this particular portion of scriptures in in the Torah portion uh, in the book of Leviticus. And chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. Now, it's interesting because the way to God is also, it's about redemption, the day of atonement, but the walk with God is about restoration and it also involves the year of Jubilee. This particular book actually starts out with consecration and ends with consecration. We know in the book of Exodus, it starts with a groan, but it ends in glory. And so we are, of course, in a uh, biblical new year. Uh, They call it the month of Nisan, the first month, and we are in the middle of unleavened bread. Just a little reminder that if you go back in time, uh, historically, uh, Joshua, the great Ephraimite, by the way, from the tribe of Ephraim, leads the people 
into the promised land. And when does he do that? On the 10th day in the first month. They cross the River Jordan. They end up in Gilgal. They, of course, are circumcised. And then they begin to, of course, uh, they celebrate Pesach and the manna ceases. And they start to live off the land. And that is incredible with God's provision. Just a little reminder, just a little historical fact in regards to that. Once again, you shall be holy is the theme. Uh, we also, of course, have five sacrifices in the very beginning of Leviticus uh, that are very relevant. And so we're going to go ahead and just jump right into this particular portion. Um, this is actually a continuation with this word eighth. It says right here in Leviticus 9.1, And it came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel... And he said unto Aaron, Take thee a young calf for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering, without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. So here we have a continuation of the dedication of Aaron and his sons. And so, of course, what took place on the eighth day? Uh, it's going to be uh, offerings. It's going to be offerings. And yep. what was the young calf for? It was a sin offering. Leviticus 9.2. Very good. Also, what was the ram for? Burnt offering. A burnt offering. Okay. So once again, the sin offering is mandatory. The burnt offering is voluntary. A burnt offering is actually totally consumed. And of course, the priest could keep the hide. Uh, but that's a voluntary offering. But this is all part of this dedication. And so what offerings were needed for the children of Israel, and what were the names of their offerings? Because this is no longer the priest, now this is the people. Sure, so this is, there's going to be four offerings. Uh, the first one is a kid of the goats for a sin offering. Uh, the second is a calf and a lamb, both, for the first, both of the first year without blemish for a burnt offering. Uh, the third was a bullock and a ram for peace offerings. And the fourth was a meat or grain offering mingled with oil. Very good. So continuing on in this dedication, we are also going to have something in regards to the congregation, which is, of course, uh, Leviticus chapter 9, verse 5. Uh, who drew near and stood before the Lord? It says all the congregation. All the congregation. And Ryan's going to read Leviticus chapter 9 in verse 7. All right. Chapter 9 in verse 7 says, And Moses said unto Aaron, Go unto the altar and offer thy sin offering and thy burnt offering and make an atonement for thyself and for the people and offer the offering of the people and make an atonement for them as the Lord commanded. Very good. Very good. So once again, these instructions in regards to the offerings. And so did Aaron offer up the sacrifices not only for himself, but also for the people? He sure did. He sure did. And uh, what was sprinkled upon and around the altar, Leviticus 9.18. It says, The blood from the bullock and the ram for a sacrifice of peace offerings. Remember, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Uh, this is why Yeshua's body was pierced so that he could bleed. Uh, take that in consideration as you think about this week and, and, and how he's risen and all that he's done for us. And of course, when you see Yeshua, you will see the marks in his hands. Uh, there's a, even a reference to that uh, in the prophets. So think about that. Uh, why did Aaron lift up his hand toward the people? Uh, he lifted up his hand to bless them. Leviticus 9, 22. He lifted up his hand toward the people to bless them. You know, when we bring our children up front on Saturdays on Shabbat uh, service, we extend our hands and to our children because we want to bless them. That's right. Um, and this is really, I'm going to have Ryan read Leviticus 9, 23. What appeared to all the people? 
Uh, here it says, And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. Wow. So the glory of the Lord appeared. And now I want him to read Leviticus 9.24. It says, And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. Wow. A fire came from the Lord to consume the offering. And then they shouted and fell on their faces. Once again, a great, great dedication uh, in even, even regards to this tabernacle. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just a little reminder that this tabernacle of Moses was fully erected and operational uh, in the first month on the first day in the biblical new year. So in Exodus 12, it talks about a biblical new year, it talks about the beginning of months, which is the first month. And on the, of course, the 10th day, you bring the lamb in. On the 14th, you slay it. So now we are into, of course, uh, and some would even say uh, a reference to the, to, to the time of unleavened bread. Uh, because of course, if you look at, at, at Pesach or Passover, now all of a sudden, this is all, it's an incredible time. It's a, an incredible transition, what's happening. And now we're going to get into uh, a situation that is very important. Uh, we're going to begin to look at uh, ceremonial laws. We're going to look at protocol. We're going to look at protocol. And of course, in my 19 years of studying the Torah, I, I spotted a, a couple things in regards to this, and, I, and I'd like to bring it out. But uh, once again, we want to learn from the examples. We, we don't want to put uh, these particular gentlemen down, but we want to learn from their mistakes. And that's what it's all about. It's not about how could they do that or how could they do this, but there's even references to something like this, uh, not following protocol, even in the New Testament. But we're going to look at um, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. I'm going to have Ryan read verses 1 through 3. All right, here we go. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. So once again, Nadab and Abihu is going to offer up strange fire, now, we know from reading the text, we know from reading the scriptures uh, in regards to the ceremonial law or instructions uh, within the tabernacle of Moses, that the fire would burn continually on the altar, and that, just to let you know, no references right now, but if you were to take the fire from the altar, you could actually use it to light the menorah, the altar of incense, put it in your fire pans, but the fire had to come from the altar. So there is an indication here that there's a good chance that their strange fire did not come from the altar. Just something to consider. Also in regards to going and dealing with the incense. Uh, perhaps they wanted to light their incense another way, and that's even a reference as well. But the fire from the Lord devoured them, and they died. It literally means in the Hebrew, he took their breath. He took their breath away. He just received them and took their breath away. And uh, the two things that Moses told Aaron uh, the Lord would be was to be sanctified and glorified. So I want to encourage all of you, as you are in this movement of the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, you know, Israel, uh, as a reference, means prevailing prince, co-ruler with God. But Israel also entails being a servant and being a great witness. That's now, right. um, 
The two uh, people that carried Nadab and Abihu out of the sanctuary were, of course, Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron. So these two uh, particular gentlemen actually carried them out of the camp, the two bodies. Now, something else to consider, and I'm going to have Ryan read. Uh, once again, we talk about strange fire, uh, which stands out. The, they offered strange fire. God did not accept that. Uh, now we're going to look at point number two that I would like to make, and we're not going to expand on this too much, but it's, I think it's self-explanatory. Take the scriptures literally and then go from there. So he's going to read Leviticus 10.9. All right, Leviticus 10.9 uh, says, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. Now, uh, one interesting point about Nadab and Abihu is that uh, God had a specific way and a protocol about worshiping him. He's, he's given you a said, said, this is what I want you to do, and so you do it. And this is an example of, of God making an example, right? <laughs> like an example of an example. That's right. Uh, but I think that we should heed this example and say, you know, what is it, God, that, that you want me to do? And have you already laid it out in black and white? Is there some is there some way that I can I can worship you? I can bring glory to you and to your name uh, through the ways that you have already prescribed for me, and do it, and do it the way that God asked you to do it. Absolutely. So you know the the moral of the story is don't come to church drunk. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, think about it. Don't don't have strong drink or wine and come to church or expect to do you know. Uh, expect to do your duties or whatever it is. So so not that God says you know that you can't drink. But the bottom line is that uh, you're already being responsible with it. So we know that to this point, they did not have a good decision-making process. Now, what would happen to the priest that disobeyed the Lord's command, Ryan, in Leviticus 10.9? So uh, he would die. So he would die. And so let's look at Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 10 and 11. And this is, of course, uh, two important verses to follow up with. All right. And so here's what it says. It says, and that ye may be I'm sorry, that, that ye may put difference between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean, and that ye may teach the children of Israel all the statutes of the Lord has spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. That's well, right. What a concept between clean and unclean. I think that we have a, um, a, a different understanding. I think English, maybe clean and unclean, may not be uh, the perfect words uh, to describe those, those concepts in Hebrew. I think that there's... Um, other words uh, or multiple words necessary to kind of give a full understanding of what does it mean to be clean and unclean. Um, you know, other thoughts is, is holy and common, uh, set apart and, uh, and common. I think common is a better word for the unholy or the, or the unclean, uh, that it's not been sanctified and set apart specifically for the purpose of, of worshiping God. And, you know, for those of you that are listening to this podcast, you know, uh, I want to encourage you that there is a protocol, there is a, a right way and a wrong way to do things. And I know even in ministry, we could all probably say, hey, let me share with you what not to do. But one of the things I would like to encourage everybody in is the simple fact that you need to really share what you're for and not what you're against. Uh, we need to have a commonality to the point of, you know, I know uh, on social media, there can be a lot of negativity towards uh, the church or any minister or ministry. But I think if you take your words and your life and your time and you, you present truth, you present good things from, from the Lord and, and by His Spirit, that we can make this world a better place, that we can actually take this movement 
and steer it in the right direction because I don't believe that being judgmental and fault finding is going to get us anywhere. Uh, and another little note as well is as we are actually experiencing and, 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 and practicing our faith via the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith movement. Let me say this emphatically and with all due respect, you know, uh, we, we need to respect Judaism. Uh, you know, when, when we have the uh, Orthodox Jews or Jewish people or, or building relationships with the Jewish people, they're coming into our life. There's nothing worse than being critical of Judaism, you know, because there's just no respect there. And I think we need to respect it. You know, we need to respect people's faith. You know, we're always attacking people. And then what do we end up with? But really nothing but a bunch of negativity, no productivity. And this is just my personal viewpoint. And by the way, I haven't had to compromise any of, 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 of my, um, of course, my beliefs or anything, uh, but just, just food for thought, just food for thought. You know, if you're concerned whether you should say it or not, think about it. Would you want it to be played in a court of law? You know, because the courts of heaven are opened up and the accuser of the brethren is a great attorney and he's always accusing us day and night. So what evidence does he have in the courts of heaven against you? Think about that, everyone. You know, if you're gunning for somebody, somebody's gunning for you and you reap what you sow. So what are we talking about? We are talking about, Ryan, the literal restoration and the regathering of the whole house of Israel. And this is going to be done God's way. He took this kingdom apart. He's going to put it back together. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So a situation <laughs> happened where two, two sons died, Nadab and Abihu. And why was Moses angry with Eliezer and Ithamar, the sons of Aaron, in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 16 through it? Why was he mad at them? Uh, they did not eat the sin offering. So they did not eat the sin offering. You know, uh, a dread fell on them, a fear, a reverence of God. You know, as this sin offering was supposed to be offered up and the strange fire was used, uh, you know, actually, uh, who gave Moses a good explanation for what the two priests had done? Leviticus ten nineteen. It was Aaron. It was Aaron. And of course, Moses was satisfied with the response given by Aaron. Yeah. So let me encourage all of you, as, as we begin to look at this dedication of Aaron and his sons in, in this uh, temple process of, of, you know, that's going to even be advanced in the future, the, the future temple. But even within this tabernacle of Moses, there's protocol. There's even a dress code, you know, all these cool things, you know, that, that, that allow us to, to, to please God and to do the things that he's asked us to do, you know. And, and really, the ceremonial laws, a lot of these things allow us to really slow down and to think about what we're doing instead of just rushing in and doing things, it just doesn't work. So now all of a sudden we're, we're still in the concept of, of the way to God because it's chapters 1 through 17. We're going to go to uh, the dietary laws found in Leviticus 11. So Wait, there's, once again. There's dietary laws? Yes. Yeah, so did the Lord tell the children of Israel what they could and could not eat? Leviticus 11 verses 1 through 4. Yes. Maybe. Yes, the Lord did. <laughs> he sure did. And this is interesting, everyone. Just just think about this thought, though. There's a reason for everything. You know, they say that if you'll eat anything, you'll listen to anything. And I personally just don't believe, I'm just going to say this right out of the gate, I don't believe the Son of God came and says that you can just eat whatever you want now that I'm here, and you can just bless anything and eat it. I don't believe the Son would go against the Father. That's just my concept. So we're going to look at this in Leviticus 11.3, Ryan. What were the three requirements needed to eat a beast of the earth? All right, here we go. This is the exciting stuff, the nitty-gritty. What can you apply to your life today? If it doesn't part the hoof if it or cloven-footed, and uh, if it doesn't chew the cud. So it has to have these three things, part the hoof, cloven-footed, 
and chew with the cud. So I'm not going to get into all the examples of what we can and cannot eat, but a few. Yeah. So you can have buffalo. Lamb. You can have deer. Sheep. But you can't eat camel. Goat. You cannot eat camel. Horse, donkey, can't have those. You can't have a horse or a donkey, can't eat that. So these are just some of the uh, beasts of the earth that you cannot eat. Um, I don't Which, think you, I mean, you think can't. about it. Dog, rabbit, all these things with paws don't have cloven hooves, and they don't chew the cud. So anything... You know, there's this saying, I just thought about this. There's this saying, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. But or or how about you don't? You're not supposed to eat an elephant. Not kosher. See, there's an elephant in the room. So, what are swine considered? Leviticus 11.7. Unclean. Leviticus 11.7, they are considered unclean. You know, and it's interesting because, and I only say this because you remember when uh, the demons wanted to leave a particular gentleman in the the Gospels. I'm not going to go there right now, but I remember the story. And uh, these particular spirits that were inside this man, they wanted to go into the swine. They said, let us go into the swine. Why? Because see, a familiar spirit needs a body. Because without a body, everybody, the familiar spirit, this spirit has to go to a dry place. This is why we're telling everyone, get rid of the squatters. We all have squatters. We all have something in our life that we got to get out of, you know. And, and, and so whether a Christian has a demon or a demon has a Christian, is irregardless, we are having some challenges of being prepared as a bride. And we do need deliverance. So we have these influences. And by the way, I want to just share this as well. Uh, you know, oppression is from the outside in. Yeah. But depression is from the inside out. Right. So we have to get to the root of the depression, you know, because we're not to stay down, Ryan, because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. It's what the Holy Spirit is given us. And so with that in merit, just think about the story, you know. So Jesus allowed, Yeshua allowed the spirits to go into the pigs. And, you know, what did they do? They fell off the cliff. They committed suicide. <laughs> they committed suicide. Ba-dum-tsh. And let me tell you something. This is the first example of deviled ham. Oh. Deviled ham. Now, does that send a message to anybody reading the New Testament? Okay, here's an evil spirit. And Jesus says, yeah, go ahead and go into the pigs. So once again, it's not about the Easter ham. Yeah. It's about the Passover lamb. That, ooh, come on, somebody. So, so clean is clean and unclean is unclean. And, and this is the interesting thing, you know. If, if you can't even do that with the Father, how can you say that you're walking with him? Now, a lot of people eat unclean things because they're ignorant, and that's fine. And we're not here to force this on anyone. But this gets very interesting. I mean, could you even touch the carcass of an unclean animal, Leviticus 11.8? No. No, you can't even touch the carcass of an unclean animal. See, once again, God is showing you the difference between clean and unclean. Yeah. Now, these are the beasts of the field. Now, let's get into the sea, the, the fresh water, the salt water. What two requirements were needed for the children of Israel to eat something from the water? Leviticus chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. Why don't you go and just read that? There's two requirements to eat something from the water. All right, it says, These shall ye eat of all that are in the waters. Whatsoever hath fins <laughs> and scales in the waters, in the seas, and in the rivers, them shall ye eat. And all that have not fins and scales in the seas... And in the rivers of all that move in the waters and of any living thing which is in the waters, they shall be an abomination unto you. So fins and scales fins and scales are needed. So what comes to mind as far as fins and scales, some of the fish? I don't have the list in front of me, but what, what has fins and scales that we can eat? Grouper? Trout. Trout. Grouper. Trout. Yep. Uh, what about red snapper? Uh-huh. Halibut. What about tuna? Mm, that's a close one. I think tuna does have scales. 
But anyway, think about it. If it has fins and scales, then you can eat it. So here, here you go. You know, these are, these are inter interesting things. Um, it's kind of interesting, too, because if you think about, like, crabs or, or shrimp, uh, and, and I just want to tell this one story. Um, there was a gentleman that used to attend our congregation that served in Vietnam, and he was going up and down the river and everything on a patrol in a boat and everything. And uh, he would notice bodies along the bank of the river, and crabs would be all over this body just devouring a human body, just eating it. So if you think about a lobster or, or the shrimp or, or even like the, the crabs, you know, they're like the, uh, the cockroach of the... Ooh. water underworld you know and and it's already been proven scientifically that this stuff really isn't good for you now what about so, this something think... to think about you know so so crabs you know will eat anything and pigs are the same thing uh, they'll just devour anything in their pen and yep. they'll even eat their, their young i mean yeah. so these are things for all of us to study and consider if god said don't eat it i mean i'm in i'm yeah. in amen do you think that at the marriage supper of the lamb that the uh the master of the venue do you think he's going to serve appetizers of crab cakes and shrimp cocktail? It won't even. You know, it's, it's interesting. Among not. the Listen, everybody. Among the Jewish people, the things that you're not to eat, they're not even considered food. Correct. It's not even an option. Right. So here, here's some interesting things. Uh, let me share with you what was considered an abomination among the fowls, uh, an abomination to eat this. Eagles, owls, bats. Eagles, owls, and bats, a, a, an abomination among the fowls to eat. And so I'm going to have, um, this is kind of an interesting uh, part of the dietary laws. Uh, I'm going to have Ryan read Leviticus chapter 11, verses 21 and 22. All right, it says, Yet these may ye eat of every flying, creeping thing that goeth upon all four, which have legs above their feet, to leap withal upon the earth. Even these of them ye, sh ye may eat, the locusts, after his kind, and the bald locust after his kind, and the beetle after his kind, and the grasshopper after his kind. So there's even a, a certain specification for eating these things. I mean, you know, and I know you've seen chocolate-covered grasshoppers and uh, just different things, and I tell you, you I know. I mean, that just sounds delicious to me. No, no, it's just too <laughs> crunchy for me. So, you know, this is something we could delve on later, but we don't have time. But just something to think about in, in regards to, of course, uh, anything like a locust or a, a beetle or anything, a grasshopper. So uh, we're going to move on to this. Uh, how long was a person unclean after touching an unclean carcass? Leviticus chapter 11, verses 24, it says 27, and 28. It says, until evening, which was also the same amount of time they were unclean if they ate something unclean, right? Right. So these are ceremonial laws, yeah. you know, and, and it's just interesting to show you the concept. And what God's trying to do, he's not trying to make life difficult or burdensome. He's trying to show you a distinction between the clean realm and the unclean realm. That's right. But there is a realm there. That's right. And, you know? and on top of that, so think about this, right? So Yeshua came, and every law that he actually specifically addresses, he actually takes it to another level. So like the, the law of adultery. If you even look upon a woman with lust, then you've committed adultery in your heart. Or anger in your heart, you've already committed murder. So in, in the case of the clean and the unclean, as far as dietary commandments, think about this. You're unclean, which means you can't go to the temple. But it doesn't mean that you can't be in the public sector of life. It means that you're unclean until evening. Jesus even mentions in uh, a parable that, hey, it's not what goes into you because that gets cast out in a day and then you're clean again. But it's what comes out of you that makes you unclean. So in this case, if we are now, as Christians, believing that the Holy Spirit, the, the Shekinah glory of God, dwells within us and we are now the temple of God, how responsible are we to keep the temple clean? I Absolutely. Mean, 
Absolutely. I mean, think about this. Did the person who touched the unclean thing have to wash their clothes? Leviticus 11, uh, verse 25 and 28. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Right, because what is it, the three things you mentioned that can be unclean? It's uh, people, clothes, and Well, actually, and skin. Oh, skin. Clothing, homes. Okay, there you go. Skin, clothing, and homes can be unclean. So were the weasel, mouse, tortoise, ferret, chameleon, lizard, snail, and the mole considered unclean? Leviticus eleven twenty nine and 30. Yeah, you would just have to say escar no to escargo. <laughs> escar no yeah, to escargo. I, I like that. There you go. You know, when my father-in-law was alive, we would be at a, a restaurant and the waiter or waitress would come up and everything. And he would just like to remind them uh, about a certain principle that he followed. He said basically this, there'll be no pork on the end of my fork. <laughs> was an earthen vessel broken if something unclean fell into it? Leviticus 11.33. Yeah, so this is talking about what, like pottery made with uh, like clay? or Because it has pores. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that's very interesting. Wow, even that's contaminated. Wow, that's interesting. Let's look at, uh, Le- Levitic- Levitic- let's see, Leviticus 11.44, and uh, let's look at that. He's going to read that uh, right out of the uh, book of Leviticus. Wow, and this verse is quoted by Peter in the New Testament as well, isn't it? So let's just read it, and we'll see if maybe the listeners can uh, can decipher that for themselves. It says, For I am the Lord your God, ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now that was good, but keep reading 45, 46, and 47. Let's go All ahead right. and close it out with those credible scriptures. Oh, it is. It's Self-explanatory, stuff. folks. Yep, yep, yep. So... Uh, verse 45, For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the beasts and the, of the fowl and of every living creature that moveth in the waters and every creature that creepeth upon the earth to make a difference between the unclean and the clean and between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may not be eaten. And so uh, I believe it's in uh, First Peter, right? First Peter, right? First Peter one. Dealing with Exodus nineteen about uh, I am oh, you the priesthood and the holy nation. Uh, right, 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 exactly. Right. So it's 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 in both places. Um, right, where it talks about you were chosen generation in First Peter. I think it's verse fifteen four. This is the will of God. Anyways, the point is that Peter talks about, uh, or he quotes these verses, and it's not when he's quoting this, he's quoting it directly out of the section of the Torah that is the dietary commandments. And so it's something that we should consider, take seriously. Uh, what a great Torah portion this is, you know, learning the lessons from uh, Nadab and Abihu, uh, taking God's commands seriously, taking the things that we should be doing seriously. Um, and then also uh, the dietary commandments and how relevant those are for today. An easy, simple way for us to give God honor and to be his, his sons and daughters and to show him that we are paying attention to his commandments, that we love him. It's, it's just so simple that we can express our faith in this way to him and, and and act as a reminder for us that we are set apart and sanctified for him to be clean and holy unto him. And in, in closing as well, you know, we should not be judgmental towards those people that do not follow the dietary laws. Amen. It is a choice, you know, and if we so choose to do this, I think in a situation that it becomes unclean in, the, in our midst or in front of us, we need to really pray about it because, you know, we don't really have to be a jerk about it. Correct. We don't have to be mean about it. We have to be respectful and just try to maneuver through the situation or whatever. But it can happen. Uh, but but there's no sense in, like I said, uh, bringing a difficulty to this because it is a choice, That's you right. know. And, and I can say uh, honestly that 
ever since like I believe 1995, uh, the spring of 1995, when I was learning about the dietary laws and the feast days and Passover and everything, uh, I just really changed changed my life, changed what I was Amen. eating, and and I haven't gone back. Have I yeah. have I messed up? Have I made some mistakes and actually ate something that was unclean or had a situation where I had to eat something unclean or whatever? I'll tell you right now, absolutely, it's happened. Yeah. But I purpose in my heart to please my Father. Amen. And so I want to encourage you in this matter. You know, don't take a cookie cutter to God, but take that instruction and put it in your heart. Yeah. And uh, I don't regret it at all. And uh, as I share my convictions, even with those that are my pastor friends or, or Christian friends or whatever, or family, they're always respectful of me practicing the dietary laws in that regard. Yeah. And you know, when I think of things like the commandments of God, I think of uh, the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. Where, where does this fall within that, within that, that system? And if I were to talk to somebody that's a non-believer, am I going to talk to them first about the dietary commandments, or am I going to talk to them about Yeshua? And the answer is, obviously, I'm going to talk to them about Yeshua, the basics. Um, and then as we go, and they want to please our Father, they'll, they'll, they'll get closer to the inner court and then into the Holy of Holies as they go. So uh, hopefully you guys are blessed by this. If you guys have questions or, or want to know uh, anything or have you know anything you guys want to reach out to us about, you can uh, email me at ryan at topraise.net, ryan at topraise.net. You can call the office at 813-654-2222. Uh, also remember, our, our uh, we stream our services live at uh, on Shabbat Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And... Uh, and we also have our, our Monday night Bible studies here at the church that are uh, sometimes live streamed, sometimes not. So, But we encourage you guys to, to attend, uh, get into a local congregation as well. So uh, we love you guys. Hopefully you guys are blessed. Have a great week. Happy. Happy.